Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Did you eat too much food? That's the one time a year I think gluttony is like condoned in the Christian faith. Uh, but not the one. There's plenty of times throughout the year I think gluttony is condoned in the Christian faith. Every potluck, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, everything, New Year's, Super Bowl. Anyways, Halloween. Uh, but there are 26 days left until Christmas. Can you believe that already? One of my favorite Christmas carols is, it's the most wonderful time of the year. You know you know how the introduction, and Andy Williams comes on, it's the most wonderful time, and that is iconic. It means that Christmas is here. Every time we get our Christmas tree out and Christmas decorations, and we start to decorate for Christmas, I have my Christmas playlist saved, and that's number one. We gotta play that. It means that Christmas is here. And the Christmas season really goes by really fast. A few statistics about the Christmas season. Uh, Statistically, the average American will gain between 1 and 10 pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. How many do you say I'm above average? I'm striving for the mastery. Uh, Current estimates project that the average American will spend around $1,387 on holiday-related shopping in 2020. Kara read something. How much per kid do most parents spend? Way more than we spent. Like, good night. Like $1,000 or something ridiculous. How much? $500 to $1,000 per child. Like, whoa, okay? Just tell them you love them. Give them an orange or something. But whatever you want to do with your money, it's your business. Uh, Americans spend approximately 15 hours on gift shopping. 52.3% of gift givers pay with money from their savings account. 60% of consumers plan to do their holiday shopping online in 2020. That's a good idea. And about 30% of Americans plan on traveling over this Christmas. It's down a little bit. And I expected our our crowd to be down today just with, you know, um, uh, concern about the virus and people traveling for Thanksgiving. But this is a good crowd. I appreciate you being here. But whatever happens this year, whatever 2020 Christmas looks like, uh, I want to encourage you this morning to enjoy the season. Enjoy the season. Now, this is going to be a biblical message, but I also want you to prepare yourself as Christmas comes, I think Christmas surprises everyone every year. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not ready. And, and, and uh, what I think happens is a lot of times we will build up something in our mind because really it's, it's almost an unattainable picture of what society and songs and movies paint for what the Christmas day should look like and what the Christmas season should look like. If you uh, watch any Hallmark movie whatsoever, then you're going to be disappointed in life. It does not go that way. Like people aren't as bad actors as are on those movies, but also like things don't always turn out so rosy and not every man you meet, ladies, will be a prince in disguise. And, uh, but that's how it is sometimes on TV. And every Christmas morning is a blanketed with snow and there's cookies and everything is just perfect. It might not be during the movie, but it's everything turns out just perfect every time. But I really do love Christmas. Everything about Christmas. I love the Christmas trees. I, uh, I, Jesus is the reason reason for the season, but I like all those little claymation movies about Frosty and all of that, and, and I love the Christmas story and Matthew and Luke, and uh, I love getting together with family. I love the ham and the turkey and everything. I love everything about Christmas, but Christmas, inevitably, inevitably, the Christmas season will not go exactly like you think it's going to go. It will not go exactly as planned. Somebody will be late to whatever get-together you have. Somebody's going to have car trouble. Uh, when you unwrap your present, some, when all the family gets together, someone's going to give a passive-aggressive gift, like a stick of deodorant or a resume-writing-for-dummies book, and, and it's going to be weird from then on, or some family member's going to snap at another one, and then it's going to be awkward. Everybody's going to go to their separate corners, and, and you're going to say, Christmas is ruined. Well, listen, 
every time you plan something and, and the more preparation you have for something, the more potential you have to be disappointed. Now, I don't want you to be uh, discouraged so far, okay? It's going to get better. But uh, we don't like disruptions, but we can almost count on something not going as planned. That's why you should keep on the tip of your tongue in your mind that Bible verse says, boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Don't, don't spend money you don't have. Don't boast on what's going to be tomorrow. Don't make, make plans, make plans, but be flexible. Don't boast because you never know. I think sometimes when we pray, uh, God help this and this and this and plan. He's like, I appreciate you praying, uh, but just trust me, okay? <laughs> just trust me. If any of us had looked back at our New Year's resolutions for 2020, I know none of us a year ago were thinking that 2020 would go like it has. Have you ever seen those things where they look at a president before and after office and how much he's aged during the four years in office? We should all get a picture of us, 2020 before and 2020 after. And uh, some of us probably have aged more than others. It's been just a crazy year. And I don't think Christmas will be any different. Christmas every year. But we don't like disruptions. We don't like infringements upon our, our timing that we've set up ahead of time. I heard of this uh, lady, and you might have heard of it as well, that decided to go on a private vacation. And so she left and she planned to fly from Raleigh to London to Rome and then to Vienna. And so when she got to London, she called her husband and she said, hey, uh, I landed. How's it going? How's everything? And he said, I'm good, but our cat died. And she, it was the end of the world. She cried and cried and wailed and sobbed and When she got her composure together, she said, you wicked, terrible, thoughtless, insensitive man, how could you tell me news like that? And he said, well, how should I have told you? And she thought about it for a second, and she said, when I got to London and called you like I just did, you should have said, the cat's on the roof. And then when I called you from uh, Rome or Paris, when I called you from Paris, uh, I called, how's it going? You should have said, well, the cat fell off the roof. And when I called you from uh, Rome, you should have said, well, the cat's not doing too well. They tried to uh, do the best they can, but he's in critical care. And then when I called you finally from Vienna, then you should have said, the cat has died. She said, by the way, how's my mother? He said, she's on the roof. And we don't like disruptions to our schedule. We don't like infringements on our season. And while you and I are going to plan this Christmas season perfectly, something will happen that we did not plan for. And often, just because it wasn't in your plans, and here's the message, because it wasn't in your plans does not mean that it wasn't in God's plans. Our plans are not necessarily God's plans every time. And a day that is probably more meticulously planned than even Christmas Day in everyone's life, a day that you agonize over, ladies, sometimes for decades, is what day? The wedding day. The wedding day. We have a family wedding coming up in our family. Kara's older sister, just about a year and a half older, they're very close. She's going to get married actually this month. And she always said she wanted a, a smaller wedding, but you know, as you plan, then there's all these, she's very detail-oriented, and she's planning everything. I mean, the soundtrack, every, everything. I mean, things that, you know, maybe some men in this room would be like, whatever, don't care. We don't care at all. You know, you just go to the courthouse. It doesn't matter. But, but other things, you know, you really have to plan for. By the way, this is, if you're not married and, and you're a man in here, here's, here's what I would recommend. And I did not do this exactly. But when you go to get married, lay aside everything that you want at all and say, honey, whatever you want, because really it doesn't matter. Um, and it's really about the lady and the things that you, just, just 
maybe bank two or three vetoes for something that's really crazy, like a really dumb song that she wants to sing as a duet with you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'll tell you the story later. But, um, but other than that, just say whatever you want, honey, whatever you want, because, because it's really about her. And, and she's got a lot of plans, okay? There's no little boy in here that has cutouts from magazines and what color you want the grooms to wear and where you want to get married. And, but if two people in the Bible that had a wedding coming up was Mary and Joseph. Go to Matthew chapter number one. And if they were around today, Mary and Joseph would be planning the venue. They would be renting. I guess ladies like to get married in barns now. That's fine. They, uh, they would, they'd be getting the best barn they could find with all the best lights and finding a good warm place to have a reception and registering for gifts. And where are we going to live? Uh, whose church are we going to go to if you go to a different church? And, and uh, what, what career path are we going to go after? And what an exciting time. And that's an exciting time when a man and wife are about to get married. And Mary and Joseph were about to get married. And this morning, we're going to see how a seemingly devastating disruption to this particular season in Mary and Joseph's life actually turned out to be the greatest blessing they could have ever known. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Number one in your notes, I want you to see the designs. The designs. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Mary was an excellent young lady. Joseph was a hardworking young man. And they were, when you see that word espoused, I think it's important to take a, a break and to really understand what that means. It's, it's like engaged, but it's more than engaged. It's basically between engaged and married, so that you are married, but you don't live together yet, uh, you, you don't have that physical part of marriage yet, but you are absolutely committed. You're committed to one another. You're, you are practically legally married. You've just, you're just not doing the ceremony and everything completed there yet. So like engagement, you can break off the engagement you know, the morning of. I mean, that's not a great thing to do, but, but you can without any, you know, moral problem or legal problem or anything. And, and, uh, and when you get premarital counseling, you always are, are told, hey, you make sure this is God's will. You're engaged, not married. Okay, so you make sure that you know everything and you're on the same page and all that. And it's God's will and they're a Christian and all that. But, but espoused is something that's like you are committed. You are together. And Mary and Joseph, two people, it's always a blessing. You know, when two people come together and they both love God and they both are just good, hardworking people and they love each other, it's, it's great. Isn't it nice? And the Bible does still say, Proverbs 18:22, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. It's work, but it is worth every effort. It really is. It is a blessing to be uh, married. And as you look towards the future, you feel like anything is possible. Anything is possible. Hebrews 13, 4, Mary and Joseph had kept themselves pure. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. They both loved God and they both, uh, from the time they were little, had given themselves to the Lord and said, I am for God and I am for that one person that God has for me in the future. And look, again, if you're not married and you're looking towards the future, the best way you can plan for your marriage now uh, is by keeping yourself pure, loving God, and as you draw closer to God, that other person that you want, that, that spouse that you do want, will be drawing close to God as well, and you'll meet, okay? And God will make that clear to you. And uh, my uh, wife and I, I think, have a great, great marriage. 
100% because of Kara. No, but, but it's because Kara uh, is such, such a godly person, you know, and there's plenty of times she could bite my head off, and, uh, uh, but, but she doesn't. She's very patient. She's patient with me, and, uh, and that's because she's such a godly lady, and we kept ourselves pure until marriage, and they kept themselves pure until marriage, and the dream was about to come true. You know, I was told when I was a teenager to pray for your future spouse, Pray that God would keep them from sin. Pray, just pray for whatever, because God's got that person out there. And, and, uh, and, and finally, it was coming true for Mary and Joseph. They were a spouse. They knew who it was. They were going to get married very shortly. But then Joseph found out something that rocked his world. In verse number 18, again, before they came together, you understand what that means, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, Joseph, he didn't know the circumstances. How could he? Now, let me say this real quick. Children are a blessing no matter what the circumstance when they come into the world. There's never a, a mistake, an accident, child. They're a, a soul, a precious, uh, the instant that they are conceived, they're precious in the sight of God. But Joseph, who had kept himself pure and he thought Mary had, and, and he felt, uh, you can just imagine, you think about it for a moment, a, a little bit of maybe deceit because he knew he was pure. Uh, he knew that. But then Mary is found with child. He, he, there's no way he could have understood at that moment with that news that it was of the Holy Ghost. Now, if he was told that, how could he really believe that? You know, you put yourself in those shoes. Well, the Lord, uh, the, the angel came to me. Well, okay, you know, and, and, and by law, by law, you remember the woman who was caught in adultery later on and brought before Jesus? What was about to happen to that lady? Stoned, right? She was just caught in adultery and she was about to be stoned and everybody said, this is justified. And you remember Jesus wrote in the sand and everybody and he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin. Didn't condone the sin, but he didn't condemn her because she was repenting and not sinning anymore. And, but, but you understand during this, this time, it wasn't like, you know, we live in a promiscuous society today and, and it might've been promiscuous here as well, but it was, it was hidden at least. Uh, for somebody to be uh, 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 openly pregnant and unmarried, that was, that was a shame here, you see? And again, we, we don't shame, you know, you understand all that, but I'm talking about the society and the culture here. It, was, it still is sin, but it was, it was a shame. And he was a just man though. Number two, I want you to see the drama. The drama that entered into their season. Their perfect life, two good people, you know, kept themselves pure. They're coming together. They're espoused. So this is it. This is happening. They just are planning for the marriage ceremony and consummation, all that. And then she was found with child. Their plans were obliterated. What a bombshell. Mary, of course, knows better than anyone uh, that this child is from the Holy Ghost. An angel had appeared during Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35, after the angel said what would happen, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And we won't get into all that, but you and I understand that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He had no earthly father. God was his father. And God put that baby, God in the flesh, Jesus, that, that second person of the Godhead, the person, the Jesus, God, who was eternal, who in the beginning was the word and without him was not anything made that was made, creator God, one with God, put him as a man within Mary to grow and to be born and to die for our sins. That was the purpose. And, and really, this seems like drama, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. What am I gonna do? But this was God's plan all along. This, I want you to keep that in your mind. Joseph doesn't understand that yet. All Joseph knows is that the dream, the little white picket fence, 
the little you know, one-bedroom house they had planned or the two-bedroom condo and, and the, the job, the carpenter that he had, and he was going to grow the business and maybe have some family. That's all coming to a screeching halt, and he doesn't know what to do. Look at verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, a just man, I want you to notice that. He was a good man. Joseph was a good man. He said, not willing to make her a public example. Now, his compassion, even in the face of what seemed like a brutal betrayal, is really inspiring. Now, he loved Mary. He didn't want anybody other than who absolutely needed to know about this to bring her any shame. Um, now, by the way, this is, this is a really good thing to point out. Joseph was a just man. And when he found out about some sin, even though it cut him to the heart, probably he would be more offended than anybody in this relationship or this world of Mary's, he did not want to make a public example of her. He didn't want to uh, put her in front of everybody and shame her. The Bible says in Proverbs 17:9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. That's what a just person does. Now when you read that verse, don't misunderstand. We're not to cover up sin. If, if you're somebody who's you know, being abused or something, or if you know of an act of sin going on, that's not anything that we would ever cover up or, or you, know, you should report anything like that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when somebody messes up, fesses up, gets it right, and tries to move on, we shouldn't bring that up again. You know? And if you do, what happens? Proverbs is so good. Separateth very or true friends. Separateth friends. Look at it again. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Not cover, sweep it under the rug, but it's taken care of. Okay, we're done. You know, the Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, does God bring up what you did again? No. No. He forgave you because of Jesus Christ paying for your sins. If you're saved, you've been born again, your sins have been paid for. Those sins are not brought up again, are they? Man, thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm sure if anybody had a good memory, it'd be God, but God chooses to forget. Why? Because he's forgiven. He doesn't forgive like, well, I won't bring it up today. <laughs> that could be another Christmas drama for you. Somebody says, well, you always, and brings up something 10 years ago. Not helpful. Don't be that person, okay? And Joseph was a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was trying to figure out what to do, was minded to put her away privily or privately or, qu- or quietly, not sweeping anything under the rug, but put her away. By the way, notice that phrasing, put her away, that is the same phrase for divorce. Um, if you look at Matthew 19, 7, the religious people said to Jesus, they said unto him, why did Moses then command, this is in your notes, to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Of course, adultery was just cause for that. And he says, I'm going to put her away privately, quietly. It's not going to be a big deal. Uh, she can go maybe to her cousin Elizabeth's house or whatever to have this child. I don't want to shame her. But he was also hurt. You know, and he was also, he was not uh, unjustified in doing this. He wanted to deal with the sin properly, but no more openly than absolutely had to be. But look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, imagine the thoughts swimming in his head. Imagine that. Imagine the heartache, the confusion, maybe the anger, the bitterness, and he's wrestling with uh, how he's feeling with what is right and what he knows he needs to do. While he thought on these things, look at verse uh, or number three, finally. I want you to see the devotion. So there was the design, his plan, the drama that disrupted it, and then finally the devotion. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that is, of course, quoting Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This season of life was not what Joseph had planned, but it was exactly what God had planned. You think about that. To Joseph and Mary, this was an explosion of their plans. An explosion, especially Joseph here, a little bit different situation. Just an explosion, a bombshell to his season in life that he had all planned out perfectly, meticulously, kept himself pure and all that, you understand? And then this happens. But this was not outside of God's plan. This was not just the good plan, a good good plan, a good thing. It was the plan. It was before the foundation of the world, God had planned this. From that moment when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there would be a perfect, spotless lamb that would have to be slain to pay for those sins. When God had to kill animals and put the skins of those animals to clothe Adam and Eve's nakedness, picturing how there would have to be sacrifice to cover up the sin, you see, that was all pointing to Jesus. And Joseph it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bombshell or drama. It was exactly what God had planned. You know, Lord, I pray that you bless our Christmas season this year. Of course, there's no Christmas, obviously, you understand. But I pray that you bless our Christmas season. We're going to get married. And, and uh, oh, you know, he wasn't thinking about this, was he? But God was. God was since the beginning of time, since before time. God knew exactly who he'd pick. He knew Mary would be highly favored. He knew Mary would be a sweet, good, virtuous young lady. And he knew Joseph he could count on Joseph to do, keep reading, what he would do here. Verse 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, why is Joseph, I mean, you see a nativity scene, we got a little nativity scene here and Joseph is represented. Why is Joseph really is like a hero? One of the people that most people are going to know when they think about Bible characters, Mary and Joseph. But Joseph wasn't Jesus' dad, right? God was his father. Joseph, you never find him saying anything in the Bible. He's not quoted anywhere. Uh, By the time Jesus is older, Joseph is passed off the scene. A lot of scholars think that Joseph was an older man, so he had passed away at that point. Uh, So what's the big deal about Joseph? Joseph just obeyed God no matter what. He was flexible and obedient. All it took was an angel saying, hey, don't be afraid. Take unto her to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. This is going to be Jesus. This is going to save everyone from their sins. And look what he did. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Just did it. Man, that's what you and I need to do. Whatever God asks for us to do, whatever God sends our way, just do it. You know, just do it. Whatever drama, you know, save the drama for your mama. People say, we say that sometimes, save the drama for your mama. I say that with, yes, what's the problem? Save the drama for your mama. Yeah, she's down the hall. Uh, But no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but, you know, whatever God sends your way, if you go through life as this is my plan, how am I going to be best served, this is what I want it to look like, this Christmas season, we'll look at the Christmas season, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you go through life with hands open wide, Whatever God you send, here's, here's my plan, and not that you shouldn't plan, there's lots of verses about planning and being prepared and, and all that. However, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Your plans, 
are not always privy to God's plans. Not that your plans are bad, but God's got something better. And sometimes he'll wait just till that last moment to give them to you. Be open this Christmas season as you go through. Jesus, as he went through life and as he was the light of the world, people were so busy and, and like you and I are, we barrel through life and we don't notice the things that God has put in front of us and put in front of us to uh, uh, witness to, to be a blessing to, to minister to, to encourage, to help somebody. And we just, nope, not part of my plan, not part of my agenda. And we're not sensitive walking in the spirit. Even Jesus, John 1 verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Jesus was there. Jesus was doing miracles. We've been in John on Sunday nights and in John 6, the last few nights we'll be there tonight. But people looking at Jesus, seeing the miracles and still confused about who he was. Saying, what what sign are you going to work that we're going to believe in you? And what about Moses who rained down manna from heaven? And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. (laughs) He's trying to say, hello, hello, I am the bread of life. I am Jesus. I am the son of God. Saying it over and over again. But they were so dull, it wasn't fitting what they were looking for. And you and I, we go through life and, and we're not looking for what God has. We're looking for what we have planned. But I would encourage you to be wide open. Well, that's why Jesus said, when you pray, here's how you pray. Matthew 6, verse 9, 10. After this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When we go to the Lord to pray, we should pray, dear Lord, I pray that here's my request and you should pray specific requests and that's good. But here's what I would like to see, but here's what I really want over everything, your will, what you want to be done in earth, just like it is in heaven. Exactly in heaven, how you say, hey, Gabriel, go send a message, or hey, I need this and that. You know, nobody says, eh, to God in heaven. (laughs) His will is done in heaven. That's how we should be praying that his will should be done on earth. Now, how can we live that way? Wide open. Wide open. Lord, whatever you want from me. That's walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is being sensitive to whatever the Lord puts in your way that he would have you to do something about. Whatever is in your life that he is not perfectly okay with, something that you're hanging on to, maybe a sin or something, or wide open. God, whatever you would have for me. This was not a bad thing that was sent in Joseph and Mary's life. It was a good thing. It was the thing. Jesus would go on and live a perfect life, and you know the story, and uh, uh, Christmas time, I love Christmas, but by the end of Christmas, I'm excited to hear the rest of the songs about the cross and about the resurrection and about all that, because, I mean, that's why he came. He came, he was born of a virgin, perfect blood because of that, perfect blood, never sinned, never sinned, did lots of good things, made blind people to see, crippled people to walk, but the reason he came was to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and if you're here this morning, and you don't know for sure if you die today whether or not you'd go to heaven, you can know that today. We can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure. All you got to understand, you're a sinner. You deserve hell. We all do because of our sin, everyone. But because Jesus Christ died for our sins and paid for our sins, we can go to heaven if we but receive that gift by faith. And that's why Jesus came in. Joseph got to have just a little part of that story because he was flexible and obedient. This year, and I'm done, we had uh, vacation Bible school God sightings. If anybody watched that, we had to do virtual because of uh, the Rona, and uh, we had God sightings. And basically what it was was encouraging kids and adults to be extra aware as they go through their day of God at work around them and in them. And it's not hard if you start looking. But you and I, as we go through life, we miss a lot of things 
that God is doing in us and around us and God is looking for us to do. We, I hope, won't this Christmas view things that God sends our way as nuisances or as an annoyance, but say, okay, God, what do you want me to do about this? Here is the beginning of the Christmas season right now. 26 more days. Plan, work, shop, yes, wrap presents, but be flexible, walk in the Spirit, and enjoy the season. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for Christmas. I thank you for the story that we just read about you sending your Son, born of the Holy Ghost, sent to Mary. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go through life, Lord, to hold our plans loosely. As we go through the Christmas season, Lord, help us to be sensitive and aware of what you would have for us. Lord, we're going to plan this uh, Christmas program. We're going to plan our candlelight service the week of Christmas and uh, prepare messages. We're going to have parties and, and family time and presents, Lord. But I pray that through it all, we would plan, we would prepare, but we would walk in the Holy Spirit, Lord. We'd be sensitive to what you send our way. We wouldn't view interruptions as something that is an annoying thing, Lord, that we've got to deal with, but we'd be wide open, Lord, to what you would have us do. Brother Sam, if you'd make your way to the piano with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand please right where you are? We'll have a hymn of invitation Brother Sam will play. And if God has spoken to your heart this morning, why don't you do business with God as the piano plays? If you're not saved this morning, you don't know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Come forward, get my attention, look at me, and we'll show you from the Bible before you leave here this morning how you can know for sure you'll go to heaven when you die. As Brother Sam plays, do business with God.